Good morning. It is 8.56 a.m. here on the East Coast. Hopefully everyone having a nice day so far. I know Mr. Jackson and I have. Not. We haven't stopped running around since we got off the airport. Well, we sure have had to do a lot of relocating, but everyone has been so excited to meet with you and hear all your stories. Do you not think so? Well, of course they have. It isn't every day you run into a man such as myself. So, Mr. Jackson, please call me John. All right. Well, John, can you kind of tell us all what you've kind of been doing these past few years? Of course. I've kind of just trying to been sticking to myself, uh, my family, my grandkids. Uh, we, we try to keep as close as possible without being as close as possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely been really hard for, I know, my family and almost every family across America has struggled uh, so, so far in some way through this COVID pandemic. Yes, and before um, all of this, I was actually able to travel through multiple cities and uh, kind of talk about my experiences and uh, many of my childhood friends' experiences. Right, and I'm just so thankful that we are able to gather here today. Um, although we don't have an audience, it is great to just be able to see you in person, talk to you, kind of get this one-on-one -on -one conversation for all of us listeners to kind of get uh, first-hand experience. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, you do have a dinner reservation. So although we have been doing all this running around, you got another place to be. So if you are ready, I think we can get right into it. I was born ready. So, John, how was your early childhood? I definitely have what you can say quite normal childhood. You know, attending school, playing with my friends, um, always outside, just running around, not really worrying about too much. You couldn't really notice a change in any, anyone's behavior until I was at least 11, uh, 12 years old. Although... Uh, the laws did not change it until gradually over time. Definitely the the respect towards the Jewish community was changed instantly from the beginning. I recall sitting on the couch on a Saturday and um, both my mother and my father walked in. And my mother was crying and my father had his arm around her. I said, um, Mama, Papa, what's wrong? You know, at the time, uh, I, I didn't really have any idea what was going on. Um, I just knew that, that something was changing, and it was not good. Um, they didn't tell me at the time, but I soon found out that they both had lost their jobs uh, on the same day. Luckily, <clears throat> my uh, father was able to get into a kind of family business. It was like a bakery. And he was able to support us, but 
we we were living bare minimum, and there was many nights where the, we would go to bed hungry, and there was no questions asked. It was just kind of how it was known to be. And uh, how long was your dad actually able to keep that job? So um, they didn't, they actually started breaking down Jewish stores almost immediately, but I mean, the bakery was able to stand because uh, it did not symbolize Jewish form in any way. Uh, they were not allowed to sell Jewish bread. It was just kind of a plain old bakery. Wow. And so this is, I presume, when they started regulating the rules uh, within businesses. And at this point, they weren't letting any Jewish business um, survive on its own. Uh, they were forced to change basically their whole shop or it was just torn down simply because it, it didn't support the German race in any way. Uh, it was sad to see our community being torn down, and there was just nothing you could do about it. Where I actually grew up, it was very common to see Jewish buildings and businesses on uh, many different blocks and actually succeed in a very high level. And I'm sorry, John, uh, to bring up the question so soon, but when did it actually start becoming physical, in your opinion? I mean, that's what I came here to talk about. Um, I, I prepared for this, and and it's, it's what we have to face. I mean, it's the reality. It was horrendous what happened, and I'm here to spread my experiences. I simply remember hearing my mom scream and just running up to the window. Below there was what seemed to be 20, 25 soldiers. You saw when you look at them was a bright red patch strapped on their right arm. I believe it was March 1935 and uh, that, that was it. That was the day. After being <clears throat> taken down to the street, my family was actually separated uh, right at the beginning. And my father made the attempt to reach my mother and was actually shot and killed. He was such a brave and independent man. He, he was not going to let his family be torn apart in front of his eyes. He, he couldn't just watch it happen. At this point, I'm a 13, 14-year-old boy. I just witnessed my father been shot. And I, I'm directed towards a truck to be loaded into. I was crying my eyes out, but... I didn't say a word. A few of my neighbors were on that same truck, and they witnessed the same as I saw it, and they, 
they definitely they helped me through it as much as possible. On our way to the concentration camp, um, no one really talked very much. There was a few whispers about um, where they could be taking us. I mean, nobody quite knew, but we we knew we weren't going anywhere that any of us would like. Shortly after arriving uh, at the camp, we were led off, uh, directed into uh, four different lines. Two lines set for the women, two lines set for the men. You can imagine one line would seem to live another day inside the gates of the concentration camp and the other line would perish that same day. Although I was young, uh, I was, I mean, I was quite tall and I had a little bit of muscle on me. Uh, so fortunately for me, unlike some, some of the people I actually knew, was sent to, to work in the concentration camp. Although we, we were told uh, if we'd work for our freedom, it was very clear that the chances of us making out were very low. Uh, every day more and more would be sent away um, and would never return. It was terrifying. I mean, knowing that any day at any moment, it could be you being sent away, or getting infected, or getting a disease. I mean, it was overall just harsh conditions. And hell, hell itself. John, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean... Sounds horrifying. I, I can only imagine how, how much did they actually even feed you? Once a day, twice a day if you were lucky, but many, many days we, we would go and just not be given food coming consecutive days in a row and no food was given people would often steal bread to try to feed their dying loved ones it, it was just a matter of time before they were caught doing it and the punishment was simply death no way around it and with the long work days and the small amounts of rest. It really was hard, especially for the sick, to keep up. And with the humiliating forced labor, as sad as it is to say, it, I didn't blame him. But I would never let myself get to that point. I always found a way to fight. I always thought of the future, and I never wanted to give up. So every day I woke up weaker, yet stronger, 
knowing it'd be another day in hell, knowing there was no way around it. I built up the mental toughness, and I faced the day. By age 16, and over a year and a half in the concentration camp, there was a point where I was very, very down on myself. People that I knew um, actually perished within a few short days of each other. And I, I couldn't help but to think, tomorrow's my last day. I'm, I won't live to see the day after. I, I couldn't stop thinking it. I don't understand why. And I never will. But every day I thank God that they passed over me when choosing who would walk. And I thank God for giving me that little bit of extra strength that got me through each and every day. That one small movement, one small mess up, one small slip. It would have been the end of the line for me. I. I'm still in disbelief. Wow, John, I am so sorry, and just again for you to be here today, to be able to talk about all of this. I appreciate it. I appreciate. It. Now, so you said every day there for a while, kind of felt like your last, um, when they liberated the camp you were, you were at, um, almost all of a sudden, or could you almost sense that, that things were almost, uh, coming to an end? I believe, uh, one of the inmates actually overheard to SS guards talking. There was word about uh, multiple concentration camps actually having to move inland away from the shores because Allied troops were making uh, an effort. And I think that that really raised some suspicion and almost hope throughout the camp. Guards found out that word was getting spread and they wanted to stop this hope immediately. Um, mass murders started occurring almost for no reason. Just throwing people out. 